Brian Wren, one of your pastors on staff, and uh, it is a bittersweet day around here. It's, it's so fun to see uh, the interns come, and Johnny, I don't know if you left the room, you're very well spoken, bro. God's going to use that in your life. It's uh, sweet to see, there he is, and uh, it's just been neat to see God do a work through you. Uh, from here and another place you've gone and your gift to come back. It's fun to see fresh faces and for someone just to say, hey, I'm nervous. Because that's kind of how authentic we want to be around here. And I, I kind of love that because most of us, it would be hard for us to say that. So I'm kind of nervous right now, just so you know. Um, uh, and then I, it's bittersweet with uh, Ken Clark. Faithful man, so unassuming. And I'm not sure he'll be with us next week. I'd be surprised. And so there's a lot, lot stirring. And you have a lot stirring in your life. And this is why we need to hear again of God's mercy. And then we need to figure out in our own hearts, where are we with mercy? So ponder this question to start. How's the flow of mercy through you right now? How is it? Is it an easy flow? Or is it a trickle? Is it kind of on and off? Or is it dammed up? Is it damned up? And here's what's good. You're allowed to be wherever you are with that. But let's take it to God today and see what he wants us to do with it and how to deal with that. As I deal with marriages, I've come to realize that mercy is vital to a marriage and especially a home. We're in this series called Bless This Home. We're studying the Beatitudes and you'll see today the Beatitude we're studying is blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful. They'll be shown mercy. That word blessed actually means most satisfied will those be who are merciful. The word blessed means most satisfied. And so in marriages, I realize this. <laughs> this beatitude really plays out. Uh, and in all homes. I don't care if you're married. I don't care when it comes to if you're living with friends. I don't care if you're on your own. You need to have mercy for yourself <laughs> in order to receive this blessing. But in the context of marriage specifically, I see that a home can't be truly blessed or fully satisfied, as the scripture says, unless there's mercy. When I work with couples, I often, after hearing their scenario, will come to a realization about what's going on, and I can't solve it all, nor do I have all the answers, but sometimes I'll point to certain things, and I'll use this line. I'll say this, if you want to have a fully satisfying marriage in time, based on your circumstances, you'll probably have to do, and then I'll give them some things I think they probably need to add to the mix. And let me give you two examples. Marriage number one, she was lying. She was lying about spending money. For some reason, uh, her brokenness led her to lie about spending money, and she'd spent a lot of money in places that he didn't know about. Anybody relate to that? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> or get honest and get free, okay? <laughs> All right? Um, but the reality is, oh, I'd raise my hand, but that's not true, honey. Okay, just so you know. Um, but the reality is, is the following, is that I said to specifically the husband, hey, if you want to have a fully satisfying marriage in time, you will have to release your frustration and show your wife mercy. If this is going to be a fully satisfying marriage, in time you're going to have to do that. Second example was a couple that there was adultery. He had committed adultery. Adultery is a tough one. You got adultery and addiction, I'm convinced it takes seven years to journey out of that if, if the adultery addiction stopped and there's really good work. 
Otherwise, it's a tough road. It's a very tough road. In this scenario, he had committed adultery, and I said to him and her sitting there, hey, if you want to have a fully satisfied marriage, in time, you're going to have to stop your behavior, get really honest, and show her endlessly that, and re-pursue her and uh, make things totally above board. And then I turned to her and said, um, you're going to have to show him mercy, and you're at one point going to have to fully forgive him. That's hard. If you want your marriage to be satisfying. Here's what happened. The first one, the lying couple, he never showed her mercy. Never showed her mercy. So the reality was um, he always thought she was telling a lie in so many settings. He would never let it go. She actually, I, I, I believe she was a, became a truth teller. But he held it against her and never showed mercy. So here's what's interesting. They're married still. Physically married. Emotionally extremely uh, broken, huge gap between them. Second scenario, she forgave him. <laughs> what a journey. You know, I remember the tears. I remember the screaming. I remember when she understood forgiveness and mercy and when she cried and, you know, said, I forgive you. Just please don't hurt me like that again. And it was, it was it was beautiful. It was painful. And he got his act together. He got way above board. And it's sweet now. And they help out other couples who've been in that same way, and they show them the long, long road out. As you can see, mercy matters, doesn't it? We're never more like God than we show people mercy. But it's hard. But mercy matters. Mercy matters. Open your Bibles. I just want you to see the small but potent little verse in Matthew 5, 7. It's a challenging little verse. It assumes some things. And then it seems to have some consequences. Matthew 5, 7. First book in the New Testament. Simply put, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Fully satisfied are those who are merciful, that couple. They are more fully satisfied than they'd ever been before. Because blessed are the merciful. And then there seems to be this thing about if you show mercy, you get mercy. Ooh, does it really work like that? We'll talk about that in a little bit. But here's what I want you to consider. Who's been most merciful to you? Really think about it right now. Even write it down. Who quickly comes to your mind and goes, that is the most merciful person in my life? Do you have it? Somebody just shout it out. Do you feel comfortable? Who's the most per merciful person in your life? Your husband, your mom. The well of mercy that comes for her, her seems to have no end. Somebody else. Who's the most merciful person in your life? Your kids. Your kids seem to endlessly show you mercy. Speaking of fine children, it's good to see that guy. Now here's a harder question. Who needs the most mercy from you? Who needs the most mercy from you? I won't even ask you to shout that out right now. They might be sitting next to you. 
Who needs the most mercy from you? Can you imagine if we get really good at being merciful? And I think sometimes we're fairly good at being merciful with those we don't know. But a lot of times we just ignore the core issues and kind of move around it. And in our homes, I think in our homes is the hardest place to show mercy. It really is. I think our homes are the hardest place to show mercy. We know all the flaws, whether it's roommates. So that's why sometimes it's actually easier to live by yourself, right? But it's interesting, when we even live by ourselves, we need to receive mercy for ourselves because we're the ones beating ourselves out even in our own home. It's wild. And here's what's wonderful. I believe that truly a Christ-centered home should flow with mercy. Sometimes it'll still get dammed up, but it should flow. The gates should open, and the, the well should be turned back on, and it should come back out. It's something to consider right now. Where's mer- what's mercy like in your home? Is it dried up and it's critical? Or is there a steady flow of it, with truth included? With truth included. Because Christ-centered homes should flow with mercy. It's really interesting. Christian homes, just folks who call themselves Christians, if you're really not focused on being a Christ-centered home, of receiving the love of Christ and allowing it to flow through you, you're probably just a Christian home who knows of this God who loves you, but it's not an active movement in your life. I think there's a difference there. Look at this quote. It's on the bottom of your insert. I want you to see it. It says something about our homes. Homes that reflect the Beatitudes create a kingdom river that flows out the front door and floods the community with the good things of heaven. When we do this well, it's wild what happens. When we do this well in our homes, people begin to get touched by it. It's like these tributaries. This thing comes out of the home and people start to wonder, what's wrong with you? Or what's different about you? When they're walking around picking up pink popcorn in the neighborhood, that's an act of, okay, that's, that's a gracious act. That's a river of compassion and caring that comes from the source of mercy. All right, it really does. It's an act of love. But this is why I think it's so important that in our, if we can get it right in our homes, it will flood out. And then people wonder, what's going on in your home? The reality is this, for mercy, and I want you to hear this line, for mercy to flow, it first must flow in you before it can flow from you. Did you hear that? Mercy must first flow in you before it can flow out of you. And that means we need to know the source. That means we need to know the source of God's mercy. Do you realize how merciful he is? Like if you had to say, he's this merciful, he's this merciful. If you had to quantify his mercy, what word would you use right now? A lot? God seems to be merciful. I want you to see a definition of mercy and think about it in this way too. So look at mercy. Not getting what you deserve. I love that. Can anybody else appreciate that? I love when I don't get what I deserve. Have you ever been pulled over and gotten off a speeding ticket? You deserved it, and you even know it. Have you ever done that deal where you get pulled over for the seatbelt thing, and you actually try to act like you had your seatbelt on? That's called lying. (laughs) But when you get off, it's called mercy. 
And it's awesome. I was once pulled over three times over the course of six months. And back then, I didn't handle my drinking very well. And I never got a DUI. Oh, I deserved it. Oh, did I deserve it. I was a sales guy at the time. Sales guy without a license, that means you get fired. So there would have been consequences upon consequences, okay? That was mercy. Because I deserve justice, getting what you deserved. Now think about it in the context of your sinfulness. Gosh, is he merciful. I've said some pretty harsh things to people. Lightning should have struck me. I deserve judgment. Do I confess that? He will release me of that? And then I can attempt to live out of his love and not do that again? Wow, that's mercy. It feels like grace sometimes, doesn't it? Mercy and grace go hand in hand. Mercy and grace really, really seem to go hand in hand. Grace is just getting what you don't deserve. I want you to see this quote, and I want, you to, I want us to do a little work together here. I want you to add other words to it. Look at this quote about mercy. Mercy flows from the heart of God like a river that creates tributaries of grace, compassion, forgiveness, kindness, sympathy, patience, and generosity in the world. Do you get it? Mercy is the source of all these other things that we've experienced and that God's wanting us to be a free flow of to others. What words, I've been asking this, what other words would you add to that? Because I don't have, that's about the best I could do, okay? What other words would you add to that to describe mercy? So somebody else said, oh, you should add second chance to that up there. I was like, that's a good idea. Someone else said empathy. What other words would you add to that that describe tributaries of mercy that flow from its source? Well said, yes. Yes, like love is the essence of that. You could almost switch and make love the source, and we could say that then mercy comes from, and all the things from that. But I'm on mercy today. But love is that, and let's make that connection. What else? What other words? Wait, wait, what was that? Oh, I can't hear that. Kindness, yeah, yeah. What else? What'd you say, Chris? Forgetfulness? I don't understand, but I like it. (laughs) Somebody explain that to me later. I'm not connecting. Somebody else? Gratitude. Yeah. Oh, forgetfulness. Yes. Yeah, like you forget what a jerk they are. Yeah. And you just like them. Yeah, that's you. Or gratitude, which is just having gratitude for somebody, you know, finding uh, that in that person. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Do you see what what mercy is and what mercy does and how mercy comes into us and wants to flow from us. I want to show you some texts because Samuel, Peter, and Paul gave us very specific texts about God's abundant mercy. I want you to find the passage that you're going to walk out of here with today, and you can circle it on your sheet or just put it in your mind of these four passages that say, yes, that's the passage I want to remember about mercy. 
Because here's where the Bible is so powerful and active. When I need peace and I'm wrestling with fear, I go find a passage on peace. Okay? When I'm doubting my purpose, I go find a passage on God's plan for my life. And then it just, it, it upholds me. I stand on that instead of the false ground that I think in my head. So this is why I need you to grab one of these mercy passages today. So when you're lacking mercy, I want you to be able to go back to and be like, God is so mercy. Whether, whether you're lacking mercy for yourself or lacking mercy for another. Look at the first one. Let us fall into the hands of the Lord for his mercy is what? Great. It is great. Look at this next one. From Peter, praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his grace, great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So a lot there, new birth, resurrection, a living hope. His mercy is so great and it's based on what the cross has done for us. This is the ultimate act of his mercy dying for us. Look at Ephesians 2.4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is what? Rich in mercy. Look at Hebrews 4.6. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Do you see that? Which one is it for you? Just flip back through those slowly, Mike. And would you pick one? Would you pick one? Maybe mark it on your sheet. What's the promise about God's mercy that he wants you to walk out of here today, whether you're having trouble applying it to yourself or having trouble letting it flow to another? I'd love to just see a raise of hands to see which one wins in this gathering that you like the most. I'll tell you which one's won last gathering. How many of you appreciate Samuel, uh, uh, 2 Samuel 24? Let us fall in the hands of the Lord for his mercy is great. Raise your hand. Yeah, so there's a bunch of you that do. How about the next one? First uh, Peter, praise be to God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. A few of you, yeah. How about Ephesians 2.4? But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy. Yeah, that's the one that's touched you. How about this last one? Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so we may receive mercy. Raise your hands at that one. Yeah, that's weird. That's one all day long. I don't understand why. But that's what God has for us. I want you to ponder right now, because we're, we're back at the source. We're not talking about letting it flow out to others right now. I want you to talk about, think about yourselves. What do you need the most mercy for right now? What don't you like about yourself? What's a habit you can't get over and you know you shouldn't be in it? Is it your judgment of people? Is it a circumstance that you just can't seem to do the right thing or you just feel bad about and God wants to pour mercy on you and release you of that and say, just let it go? All you have to do is take that to him and he just wants to wash you with mercy and experience that. It's that challenging and that simple and that beautiful. The amazing part is as we become more and more like God and as he washes mercy over us, we become then a source of mercy. Do you get it? We become an actual source of mercy. So it has to flow within you before it can flow from you. It has to. And remember, we're most like God when what? We are merciful to others. So let's really get specific about this flowing from you. 
Jesus said in Luke at a different time, look what he says, be merciful just as your father is merciful. So in essence, it is a command, be merciful. And then look what John says. John says, if you drink from the source, it will come out of you. And this is what I love. And this isn't just mercy. He's saying all aspects of Jesus' character. And I love this because we're talking rivers and water and streams flowing from us today. And look what it says in John 7, 38. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. So just come and drink from the source. For the scriptures declare then, rivers of living water will flow from their heart. Isn't that beautiful? You can and actually are a source of mercy. I've seen it in us. The challenge is endlessly going back to the base, back to the source, and doing it. What's challenging is we get dammed up. We get dammed up. And the problem is there seems to be this consequence if we hold back mercy even towards us. Because look what the Beatitudes said. And this is the tough part right here. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Look what it says if you don't show mercy. I usually don't go this way with Scripture. I'm not the judgment guy. I'm the grace guy, okay? But I feel like I can't preach this message unless I'm honest about both sides of this. There seems to be judgment. Look what it says. It says, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been what? Merciful. This guy had an inside source to Jesus' truth. This is James, the brother of Jesus. Look at this next part. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owed. This is a parable that Jesus told about a servant who owed his master a ton. And his, and his master said, you're free to go, no debt. He leaves, finds one of his servant buddies who owes him some things and works him over. The big master finds that out and there's the discussion. Now, I don't say it to scare us. I think this is just a warning to not be a hypocrite with the mercy you've received. And let it flow. Just let it flow. Because we've received it. So let's talk about how. And we'll close this up. The first thing is this. You've got to tap the source. You've had to experience God's mercy for it to come from you. So mercy must flow in you before it can flow from you. So this is where you take your brokenness, you take your mistakes, you take it to God, you let him wash over you, let him experience it so that you experience so that you experience it, so you know what it feels like. This is probably where we need to confess more and read more and understand more of how much he just loves us. My little guy, I'm teaching him passages, trying to at night, and one of the ones we've been teaching is if you confess your sins. He is faithful and just, and he'll purify you with his washing waters over you of all unrighteousness. My son says to me right that night, he goes, I can just be cleaned of my sins? Yeah, you can't be. And you live so much more freely and lightly when you do that. And we all make mistakes. God has mercy for us. And then look at this next part. Something has to give in you. Now we're really talking about your ability to dispense mercy. What is damned up in you? Why is the mercy damned up in you towards somebody? So here's what I want you to do right now. Get in your mind the person that you're struggling with to show mercy. Can you get them in the forefront of your mind? Who is it? The reality is you've got to confess how damned up you are in your heart about that. 
And until you do, and you got to ask God for his help. Three weeks ago, I got a call from my sister that said, hey, we're in the emergency room. Mom can't breathe. Should we intubate her or not? I say, what's her medical directive? Remind me. She says not to intubate. Intubate is putting a breathing tube in. She says, the medical director says not to intubate. I say, okay, where's dad? Dad's right here. We'd recently moved my mom and dad during Easter week from North Carolina to Massachusetts. They were living now in a new home uh, with my sister, and there's an in-law unit there. This had happened there at the hospital. We decided to intubate. We went against my mom's medical directives. That's a whole other story. I jump on a plane. I'm there by dinner time. On the plane right out, I say, God, would you please just let me see my mom's blue eyes again? She's got the greatest, deepest, darkest blue eyes. Short little Irish Catholic lady. You'd love her. I get there. She's got a breathing tube in. Those blue eyes are open. She can recognize me. I can recognize her. Oh, Lord, thank you. Back, back up to the plane ride. On the plane ride, I said, God, this might be, I don't know if I'm going to get there in time. The Wi-Fi was down the airplane, so I, my sister couldn't talk to me on the airplane about what was going on. I don't understand how Wi-Fi works in the airplane, but I loved it when it worked. And the reality was, I'm not sure what I'm getting there. So I open up my journal, and I'm on flight, and I say, God, what do I need to say to my mom before she goes? And please give me a moment. Give me a chance. Just let me see those blue eyes. And I was damned up. I had a lot of negative things I wanted to put down. And so I closed it. And I went, God, you got to help me here. Like, this thing might be over. Why am I, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? I was kind of mad at myself. I reopened up and said, God, you got to flood me with memories that, because there's so many good memories, but why am I so damned up over the brokenness of the last couple years? It's all been about the medical. It's gotten so, it's distant even though I'm connected, but it's emotionally distant. Why am I so damned up? And then the flood broke. It was like someone else took the pen and I put my mom's name in the middle, Sarah Jane Wren, and I just started marking all these little thoughts and stories and it just opened up and I'm crying and I'm crying and I'm crying. And I got there and there she was. I told her one of those stories as soon as they saw her. Hey, mom, I was thinking of you, dude. It reminded me of this. She actually, with her breathing tube in, chuckled a little bit. You shouldn't breathe, chuckle when you have a breathing tube in. Three days later, we called the resurrection of Sally Wren. She came off the breathing tube. We just say to her, Mom, if this doesn't work when you come off, you might have to have a tracheotomy, or would you rather choose to be sedated and say goodbye, or um, would you like the tube put back in? Fortunately, we didn't have to deal with those issues. Monday afternoon was one of the sweetest moments of my life. My sister and I sat on my mom's bed as she sat in the corner on a, in a chair, and we told her everything she hadn't remembered of those three days because the sedation has an anesthesia in it that causes her not to remember things. Monday afternoon, she took a nap. I listened to music as she took a nap, and I sobbed like I'd never sobbed before out of gratitude that God had shown her mercy and that in his odd way had broken my dam of mercy for her. I said to my wife before I left, 
Either way, I'm going to say goodbye to her. It's either going to be Friday night, probably quick, or maybe I won't get a chance to say goodbye. But if she lives, I'm saying goodbye forever because I might not get a shot. Tuesday came. I was leaving Wednesday. Tuesday afternoon, I spent two and a half hours with her, just her and I in her room. I thanked her for the mom she was. I told her the things I regretted. She shared with me the things that she regretted. I told her I loved her. I read John 14 over as I held her in my house. There are many rooms. And she says in a funny way, I guess my room wasn't ready yet. I said goodbye and walked out. I'd shared all the, all the flood that God had given me to share with her. It was a gift, a gift. God doesn't want us to hold mercy back. Who needs your mercy? Who needs your mercy? Who needs your mercy of patience in your home? Who needs your mercy of just helping them when they're hurting? Who needs their, your mercy of a second chance? Who needs your mercy when they offend you? Now, I get it. If the lying of addiction continues and continues and continues and continues, the only mercy you can probably show is some kindness. You might actually have to cut off the relationship. Because mercy flows only one way. That person's not being very merciful or gracious to you. Divorced couples, be merciful. I know if you're divorced, you're divorced. But you can be gracious and merciful and compassionate even in that setting. Spouses, know what your spouse needs when it comes to showing mercy. Give them a chance actually to release mercy on you. Friends do the same. Family do the same. There's these things called the apology language that if you know how the other person needs to be apologized to, you actually help them to release mercy. So my wife knows that if she messes up or hurts me, the number one thing I want to hear is that she was wrong. I don't want to hear she was sorry. I don't want to hear how it won't happen again. I don't want really her to ask for forgiveness. I just love for her to say to me I was wrong. If you ever all hurt me, now you know how to help me release mercy on you. I need to hear that you're wrong. We all have this apology language that we have. The reverse for my wife and I, she needs to hear how this won't happen again. That's a hard one. Especially for me to do. That's what's most important to her. But do you see how you can help somebody have mercy towards you if you know how you should apologize? So as we close today, will you just put your hand out? I want you to hold in one hand the person you need mercy for, to show mercy to. And in the other hand, I want you to make it feel like it's heavier, and I want you to feel God's mercy. And I just want you to put those hands together. God, may we be people who call on you to help us be more merciful. Lord, rush in, change our hearts, push aside the things that are damning us up. And in the end, God, may we do this with you and for you. And may the flood flow out more and more from us. In Jesus' name.
listening to the Peninsula Covenant Church podcast. We're located at 3560 Farm Hill Boulevard in Redwood City, California. You can reach us online at www.peninsulacovenant.com.